We love rags-to-riches Cinderella stories. They inspire us. Personally, I love learning about people. I mean really learning about them. What makes them tick? What drives them? What fuels their fire? What's their why? What's their reason for doing what they do? How did they work so hard to get where they are? Are they an actual overnight success or are they an overnight success that actually took like 10, 15, 25, 35 years of hard work to become an overnight success? Have they left behind a faster paced, all about profit lifestyle to pursue a dream that impacts the world in a positive way? That's what I love to hear about. And today's guest is the epitome of that. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of stillbeingmolly.com. And this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, CEO, nonprofit director, community leader, or just an amazing person who's trying to make a positive impact, not only through their personal life, but also with their professional career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact right where you are. My guest this week is Susan Correa, the founder of Art and Eden, a remarkable organic kids clothing line that is made responsibly. It's eco-friendly, ethically made, and affordable. Susan's passion for what she does and her backstory for how she got started and how she overcame incredible odds had me honestly nearly in tears. This is an incredible episode, friend, and I cannot wait for you to hear it. So without further ado, on to my conversation with Susan. Hey, Susan, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Molly. I'm fired up to be here with you. I am fired up to have you on the show. Um, I have, I, I learned about Art in Eden, I don't remember, I sometime last year. And I just felt I have two young kids. I have a five year old and a two year old who's two and a half. And I so you know, I love following ethical um, and organic kids clothing lines and just everything Art Need makes is so adorable and just so well made. And so I just I'm a huge fan of your brand. Thank you so much. That means so much to hear from an actual c- customer. Yes. That, that means a lot. That yes. means a lot. So I am really excited to hear the story behind this brand and hear your story. So we're going to dive right in and I'm going to have you do what I have all my guests do and that's give us the Susan 101. So tell us all about you um, and how you got to where you are today and tell us about Art and Eden. Sure. There's nothing I love talking more right now than Art and Eden. Yes. So I'll roll right into it. Um, so Art in Eden was really born from a personal breakthrough. Um, it was a slow and yet sudden awakening. Um, I have been in the business of fashion for over two decades, and uh, many get to enjoy a career. I got to live out a calling. Oh, I, I love that. got up for over two decades, fired up literally every single day, fired up to get to work and fired up to do what I was doing and really loved every moment. I loved transforming fabric into fashion. And um, my journey was really very um, holistic. It started at the back end, on the factory floor, doing merchandising, design, production in India. And then it very quickly morphed into leading and building multi-million dollar businesses over India, Canada, Europe, and now the United States. I had no intention of starting a new business. I was running two multi-million dollar businesses uh, prior to Art and Eden. And uh, my life was a cruise control. Um, I wasn't searching for a new business model or a new business idea professionally. But personally, I was searching for a deeper meaning to life. Mm -hmm. I was searching for a way to bring more purpose to my life. And I was searching for answers as to 
what on earth was I put here for and how I could do work that matters. And all of this was really um, uh, harnessed by a surrounding of friends and family who have done incredible work in impact. And my, when I looked at their lives and, and how they were impacting the lives of other people, I was deeply moved by, by really trying to figure out what success meant and whether success meant having more goods or leading a life of significance. And I think all of that led me to a school in Bangalore in India. Um, there was a school that was nestled in a densely populated slum district in Bangalore. And uh, the kids would come to that school because the school served a hot, nutritious meal to the mm. kids. And for most of those kids, that was the only meal of the day. And when I read that blog post, within 23 days of reading the post, I had signed all the papers with Hope Foundation India. And I was there to launch and support that meal program. And for every garment we sold in one of our businesses, that meal was ours to take care of. And within wow. a year, we, uh, within two years, I think, we did about close to 200,000 meals that we, wow. that we sponsored for the school. But that was the day my life changed. It was August 18th, 2014. And uh, I went into the school that day fired up to make a difference to the life of those kids. But the day ended with my life completely changing because I recognized the power of business to be used as a force for good. So from that day on, I started to wonder how business could move from being transactional to being transformative, how we could think about values over value, and how could profit be used to have a greater purpose and care about our local and global communities, and how overall can business emerge as being best for the world. Mm -hmm. So from that, from that search, Art in Eden was eventually born two years later. <laughs> wow. Well, I have to say real quick, uh, you said that the day your life changed was August 18th, 2014. Well, my daughter's right. birthday is August 18th, shoot, 2013. So, oh, my God. <laughs> that's pretty significant. Oh, I know. Pretty, I know. That's so pretty cool. It's a, it's a pretty transformative day for me as well. <laughs> that's really cool to hear. Yes. So I would love to hear the story of, you know, obviously, as your life really changed and as you then developed the idea for Art in Eden. Tell us about how that happened and how you went from this life-changing event where you were a part of something so much bigger than you to developing Art in Eden. Where did the name come from? Did you even, you know, if, having worked in fashion, did you, had you worked in children's fashion? I mean, I'd love to hear kind of that whole um, origin story. Sure. So, so fashion basically is a $2.4 trillion industry. It touches every human's life. And when you think of fashion, you think of beauty and you think of perfection. Mm -hmm. And I, I, did my, I conducted my whole career really loving every moment I experienced in the business of fashion, but never once stopping to think what cost this beauty was coming at mm -hmm. and what cost was it leaving the earth uh, to, to, you know, we were burdening the earth. We were... We were depleting the earth of its resources at a pace that was not, the earth was not able to replenish. So when I never once stopped to think or consider these, these questions, it started, the whole journey started from a book that I was reading on this trip to India when I was launching the meal program. It was Seth Godin's Lynchpin. Mm. I had just finished reading his book, Icarus Deception, and his whole the whole central idea of these two books was the building out of art 
and he said there's no word in the Indian in the um, English dictionary to describe what art means uh, to describe sorry to describe this this feeling that he had and so he was going to repurpose the definition of art as a journey that one undertakes to do work that's best for the world mm. it's a passionate brave intense journey where you put your best work into the world you give your best gifts to the world without expecting anything in return and i i started to wonder what is best for the world in the business of fashion how can we build something how can we take this conceptual idea and make it into reality so art is where our journey started it was really trying to figure out what best for the world in the business of fashion meant and eden of course is a garden of eden a beautiful paradise and how can we leave this earth more sustainable for our children everything we do in our lives is for our kids and yet we are leaving them a planet that's depleted mm. yet we are leaving them a planet that is fundamentally going to be unsustainable at the way we are depleting and uh depleting it to fuel business so how do we leave them a world that is you know a place that they can enjoy and thrive in so art is where our journey started and eden is our intended destination um the journey really morphed into me trying to figure out what's best for the world and i spent the next 2 years really trying to understand that so every free moment of mine was spent in documents in research papers in pdfs everything that i could lay my hands on through a, a, a free google network or through paid reports I spent hours in the libraries and really try to understand the impact of fashion from seed to shelf how do we consider the seeds that we choose to sow our fabrics how do we treat the farmers how do they grow the crops how do we dye the fabric how do we then partner with factories that are mission aligned and then how can we use a percentage of the profits to care about the communities that we work in mm-hmm. so really trying to look at business very holistically and very um from a 360 degree perspective not just product but how do you consider purpose how do you consider people in the value chain and how can you just really build business as a force for good my intention in doing these this this research was to take my two existing businesses and and get some great ideas and amalgamate them into the businesses that i was running however that was not the case because uh what i was doing prior to art in eden was i was a product and production solution for many other brands and businesses and stores and i don't think anybody shared my vision because at the end of the line like i was guilty in the past it was profit at all costs yeah. that was the only fundamental of business how we generating enough dollars to keep us alive yeah. and to keep us you know thriving in in the economic sense of the world but there were no the other parameters of business or considerations were not taken in. there was no other consideration so i had to journey take this journey on my own it was very serendipitous as many things in the art and eden journey that i was in womont in the summer of 2015 and um my son was doing a music program there and i just happened to be in womont that time and noticed a lot of ben and jerry's ice cream parlors <laughs> i go i noticed that i hadn't seen so many in new york i did not know that they were headquartered in vermont and i googled as to why am i seeing so many uh, ben and jerry's in vermont but apart from the fact that they were headquartered there the whole journey in sustainability in ice cream came up mm-hmm. and i was just hooked onto in in that in that space that i was in their ice cream parlor 
And I just started reading story after story about how they've built uh, Ben and & Jerry's. And then I reached out to the CEO, um, Jocene Solaim on LinkedIn. And I'm like, I'm in the depths of trying to figure this out in apparel. You've mastered it in ice cream. I need to know how you built your company. I need to know the whole backend story. Please help me. Please show me the way. And he came back to me on LinkedIn. Wow. It was so cool. It was so cool. And he said, I'm not in, I'm not in uh, Vermont, but uh, I, here's the email address of my social missions director, Rob McLaugh. Tell him I've asked him to see you. And it was a summer Friday, but Rob very, very kindly made the time to invite me into their headquarters and walk me through the Ben and Jerry story. And it was this most beautiful unfolding of an amazing business model that cared about everything from cows to coffee bean workers to prison laborers to working with people off the street. I mean, it was just so beautiful how they cared about every aspect of the business. And I was like, I was delighted to have had that experience. Wow. And se- yeah, it was it was unbelievable how serendipity <laughs> played her part and, and put me in exactly the right spot at the right time. And then seven days later, I met uh, the vice dean of Harvard's public health division, Mike Wooligny, uh, in Boston. I was doing some work there. I'd never met the gentleman before. And he asked me what I thought was the way forward for business. And it was like, it's really interesting that you asked me that question that I'm trying to figure it out myself. And I said, maybe in answering your question, I will find a framework to figure out what's going on in my head because there are so many disjointed parts right now. And I told him that my entire career across the globe has been spent with profit as the only purpose for business. Mm. And I want to flip that model upside down because over the last two years, every socially indoctrinated truth that I had held hold close to my heart has been shattered. Everything that I thought to be true about the business of fashion has been broken apart. And I've, I've seen so many different ways of doing things better that I want to flip this model upside down. And instead of thinking of bottom line accountability, I want to think of design as triple top line accountability. So we start the design process right and do everything right in the value chain. So we're not thinking of impact as an end of pipe initiative of, of like, you know, you burn a forest and then you plant a tree. That doesn't really make any sense. So how do you think about design so you're not depleting the earth? You're treating the farmers right. You're not burdening fabric with insecticides and pesticides. And you're putting safe clothing on children's bodies. So how do you think it right and do all the, you know, make, make business a conscious, considered decision? Mm-hmm. And from there, Arden Eden finally saw the day of light. It's been an incredible journey building this out. It was a business against all odds. Uh, I am the sole breadwinner of my wonderful family. My husband is Mr. Mom, takes care of our two adorable kids. Uh, But for me to exit two multi-million dollar businesses as the sole breadwinner of the family, I was convicted that this is the right way forward. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't teach your children that this is the right thing to do and then do the wrong thing yourself. So I had spent two years studying out the business of fashion. I knew all the truths. I could not go back to business as usual. I could not. I had to risk everything and forge forward and really try and perhaps fail rather than fail to try. 
that is an incredible story, Susan. And I love that. I, I'm i not going to lie. I would have never guessed that a lot of your business model was you learned from Ben and Jerry's. And I just think oh that that gosh. is so cool. <laughs> That is so cool. Now, I want to go back a little bit because you had mentioned that you, in in an early part of your your career, started on the back end of the factory floor in India. Um, What what were you doing there? And what what was your experience that now that you look back on, you maybe say, oh, I wish I had done this differently or um, or I really learned a lot from this experience? Um. First and foremostly, for anyone entering business, I think internships are incredibly important. I think so so quickly we try to get into the job, um, you know, into a paid job space. But I think what I learned as an in- intern coming from design school and being on the factory floor was the best thing of my life. Yeah. Uh, I worked in every department from... Uh, layering fabric on the table to how it was cut to how the patterns were made to merchandising to literally uh, spending a night in the factory when the buyers would come in from the US Um, you know everything so I learned a very holistic way of how the business was built Uh, I'm very intrigued by the fact that the power of attention to intention so for all the time that I spent in the business of fashion my intention was never focused on the impact of our choices on the earth. Mm-hmm. It was never. I never. I always thought that, oh my gosh, when I looked at the global landfills and saw the piled up fast fashion, I thought, oh, someone else will take care of that. Yes. When, you know, yeah. I, and it was never once considered as my mandate of business. My business was, how do you spot the trend? How do you bring it quickest to market? How do you sell it uh, and the stores and how do you repeat cycle? And that rush in which we were bringing fast fashion to market really did not allow you the time to consider anything else besides you blinked and the trend was gone. You blinked and somebody else would get there faster. So for, for over two decades, that was my life. I was like across the spectrum of the US market from top end stores to bottom end retailers. I was in all segments of the market from men's, women's, and very close to the time I started Art in Eden, it was children. But it was like, it was, how do you, how do you rate? And I love that. I love that adrenaline rush that came with spotting the trend and making it. I wasn't about maybe eight, 10 trips a year to India. Every 30, 35 days, I was in Europe, spotting the trends, going to India, making the garments and bringing back and marketing them and repeating cycles. Wow. So when your intention is not on change or choice or impact, you don't see it. You don't see it as a problem. Yeah. You know, you don't realize that you're part and parcel of a, parcel of a systemic issue that needs change you, because you do, that is not your mandate. Your framework is, defines what you see. My yeah. framework was, was turning those trends, delivering a profit. And that's what I saw. I didn't see anything else. Yeah. I was, I was blinkered. I know you're loving this conversation with Susan, and I wanted to take a moment to thank our sponsor of the show who's able to help make it possible, and that is Costbox. As you know, Costbox is one of my favorite ethical subscription boxes, as I've been a subscriber for almost three years. How it works is each season, new box is filled with everything from accessories, home goods, and jewelry to the best in skincare and wellness products that are not only amazing, but they are also doing the most good. 
The products are not just beautiful, they're also useful. The fall box is already sold out. It's sold out in record time, but have no fear because they have released a fall welcome box that is limited edition and it contains exclusive items from the spring, summer, and fall cause box. So you got to hurry on over to stillbeingmolly.com slash cause box and use the coupon code Molly for $15 off to reserve that fall welcome box. Now back to my conversation with Susan. How does that like you said, just kind of the lack of awareness or or even care for the rest of, you know, the world, so to speak, depending on, you know, didn't matter what was being affected. Just the profit was that was that main focus. So what how does that impact how you run Art in Eden today? And what would you say? I mean, I know that this is obviously, this is a sustainable brand. You use, you know, eco, eco-friendly eco dyes and organic cotton and the people that make your clothes are paid a fair wage. But how does your, like, what is your daily focus now with Art and Eden versus the, you know, identify a trend, get it made, sell it. Identify a trend, get it made, sell it. What is the focus now? You know, in the business of fashion, there's so much you can do. And sometimes like when, when, our design team sits on trends and, you know, evaluates what's happening in around the world of fashion. You want to use everything that's available to be used to make beautiful clothing. Right now, we recognize that we can't use everything because we have committed to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. That we have to do well by doing good and by doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. So it, it is... It is I have moved from really responding fast to fashion trends to how can, you know, you can be slower and yet faster. How can there be less and yet more? How can you consider everything that you're doing? What is, what is the use of making a beautiful garment that has devastated lives, has, is reeking in insecticide and pesticide in its manufacture, is made in a cheap way in a cheap factory at somebody else's cost? Because cheap has a price. Mm-hmm. Somebody else is paying that price. Yes. You know, so it, it's like, how do you how do you consider everything? Because it's not, we're not just building a product. We are building a business that is a force for good. So it's not one element as to what is the latest and the greatest fabric that I'm going to use, but how do I use a fabric that just radiates a sense of goodness around it? It's made right. It's treated right. It's produced right it's shipped right and it delights the consumer so how do you how do you build like that so it is really slowing down recognizing what we can and can't do not fussing about the things that we can't do because that's out of the territory and framework of what we can't do so let's focus on what we can do and do it in the best possible way I love that now I'd love to hear you know, at now that you are a few years into this and, and things have really shifted for you, what are some of the things that you feel are maybe easier than you thought they'd be or or, or the, the, the things that you feel like you do really well? And then on the flip side, what are the things that are a little bit more challenging or what are some of the, the over, you know, the obstacles that you face? <laughs> Nothing's easy. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. That's entrepreneurship. <laughs> Yes, nothing's easy. It's been one amazing challenge after the other. But with every adversity comes opportunity. It's the ability to see the opportunity beyond. One of the biggest challenges as you start 
is you want to work with the best of the best factories, factories that have the top rating, that have great certifications, that treat their people right, that have amazing workplaces and, you know, crushes for moms and uh, social mission statements and everything. So you want the best of the best factories. Now, to get the best of the best factories, every style needs to be upwards of 2,000 units. Mm. As a new brand, as you're starting this business and you're starting this journey, you'd be lucky if you have 200 units yeah. uh, per style to start off. So how do, you, how do you win favor in the factory? How do you say, hey, you know, work with me here. I'm trying to build something really special. And I can't be at 2,000 units. I need your help. How do you then go to the mill and say, I know you need 5,000 yards. I can give you 500 yards. You've got to be with us on this journey. Yeah. So taking that journey from factory to mill to printer to dyeing, it's, it, was, it was a journey of love and a journey of passion. And it's still not easy. You know, it's still, you know, people will, will, will support you, will help you. But every business exists to scale, yeah. to have an economic um, number at the end of the balance sheet. Yeah. That makes viable sense for them. And it comes for business. It comes through scale. So that, I think, was has been the biggest challenge of, you know, how do you how do you get the best factories to to buy into your vision? And then, of course, raising money. I had never done that before uh, as I uh, journeyed and built out in Eden. I had this very ambitious plan that Every child needs to be able to wear organic clothing, beautiful organic clothing, not just muted tones and gray and, uh, you know, um, oatmeal and white and pink. But how do you make this so that it's, it's beautiful? It's yeah. a collaboration of artists that we have from around the world. So getting those artists to um, sink in with us and do these beautiful graphics that we have. And so every journey was a larger than life opportunity to build something beautiful. Yes, I love that perspective. And I love how you call it. I think, what did you say? Amazing challenge or a beautiful challenge. Um, Opportunity just, in every adversity. Yes. I mean, I think that that is such a a, a unique way of looking at, pers- at, you know, persevering through obstacles and through challenges is just seeing it as an opportunity. Um, And like you said, uh, right at the beginning is that many people enjoy a career and you're getting to live out a calling. And when you're really fired up and, and, and passionate about what you're doing, you're willing to push through those, those challenging times. You know, there is a backstory to this. I grew up in a 250 square foot home in Mumbai, in India. Oh, wow. I don't know whether the audience even has a semblance of a 250. It's like probably the size of an American kitchen. Yeah. And we were seven people in that home. Oh, my you know, goodness. We were, we were a family of five. We always had our grandmother with us. And there was one maternal or a paternal uncle that always traveled from, from one of our native villages and would come to seek opportunity in, in India. Wow. So we, we had no place to study. We studied in common corridors. We studied in open places because there were so many people in the house. So there was no place and we were three kids and there was only one place for me to go and that was up. We had, we had two sets of clothing. If we, when it rained, we, Basically, clothing was dried outside the house. So if it rained, the second set of clothing was always wet. So we wore one set of clothing. And so, but right from that time, I had a dream of coming to America and building a business. And 
the only way i could do that was being optimistic the only way that i could do that was finding the opportunity in every adversity and everybody told me i was crazy right from that time that how are you even thinking this this thought and i always see the word impossible as saying i'm possible mm. so i'm like if the very world does not believe that it's impossible then everything is impossible so from a very 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 early age i have always learned to look for the opportunities i've always learned to recognize that behind every wall there's a possibility for a bridge that you know like sometimes the walls get raised so high that you don't see what's beyond that wall so so i have learned the art of looking beyond the walls of building bridges of you know knowing that every problem does have a solution and it always has a solution it's just not what you see immediately you'll probably see it in a little while and in retrospect recognize that that problem was perhaps the best thing that happened to your life mm. so i've learned i've learned that through through life's journey wow susan thank you for sharing that and what an incredible story that i know is going to inspire so many people i mean you know i i think like you said i mean 250 square feet is basically the mm-hmm. size of an american kitchen and i know like just i only have two children so there's only four you know there's four humans and two fur animals living in my home mm-hmm. and i just know that if the five of us or the the six of us were in 250 square feet i'd probably lose my mind pretty quickly so um, yeah. but yeah i mean yeah. i just what an incredible perspective of there was no no place for you to go but up and that you've see you see mm-hmm. opportunity in adversity and i i'm blown away and so impressed by you and i um and i know and even you know through all of that you you have the, just such this this humble character and just really express humility in everything and you just see the opportunity to do better and to impact others and wow thank you so much Susan you are you are awesome thank you i'm humbled and i'm grateful that life has provided me the opportunity and now through business to touch the life of other children you know mm-hmm. my when i was when i was a teenager i don't know whether you watched this movie slumdog millionaire yes i love that movie so our home was about 45 minutes away from that slum district and when i was a teenager i used to um i used to teach children uh, english and math in that area hmm. and um, i noticed a lot of sick children and when you, we would ask the parents that this child needs to see a doctor the parents would say to us um they would give them a bowl of rice and say i can't afford a doctor i can give them a bowl of rice and then another this child needs medication she's sick she's crying she's in pain and they would just try to you know cajole the child into eating rice and being okay mm. and when i called up hope worldwide um when i was launching art in eden it was 6 months prior to launching and i called hope worldwide and i said i want to be responsible for a medical program i want art in eden to to work with doctors and bring medical aid and multivitamins and nourish children around the world that need help because this incident remains in my heart and my head from a long long time and i would love to be able to resolve this in some way and my partners at hope worldwide lori and walter their voices started to tremble and lori said to me susan you are an answered prayer and i'm like tell me why and she said we were just about to pull the plug on a medical program in central america mm. uh, there are children in guatemala nicaragua honduras that really really need medical help they look okay physically 
but they're eating only corn tortillas for every one of their meal. And so they're struggling in school with ADD and ADHD. We need to bring balance to their diet. And we need these multivitamins. They're very expensive in these countries. And I was like, Laurie, my business has not even started. I am six months away from the launch. I have no funding my, myself. I have not bought one piece to market. How am I going to help you with this? I, I called you with this call to launch this program in six months. And she says, you what? never mind. I totally understand. We'll hold, we'll hold off on it. We'll pull the plug on the program. And in my mind, as she's talking to me, I'm seeing all the barriers go up. It's not my country of scale, sale. It's not my country of origin. I don't know these kids. I don't have the money. I haven't sold any garment. And I'm like, you know what? Again, these walls are not allowing me to see the opportunity. Let me just raise, lower the walls. And I asked Laurie, I'm like, what is the cost of this program? She gave me a number and I'm like, I can pay you this money if the business doesn't work within an X amount of time. And if you break this down into really, really small parts and give me the smallest part that you need right now, we can get this rolling right now. Mm. And we did. So before we launched Art in Eden, I took two of my first team members that started this business with me and the three of us went to El Salvador. We were accompanied by about 80 people. Probably around 50 of them were American doctors, pharmacists, physicians, nurses, uh, people from the medical field and just volunteers that came on this journey that Hope Worldwide organized for all of them to come and dispense medication, toothbrushes, teach the children how to wash their hands, brush their teeth and lead healthy lives. And I tell you, that was my Art and Eden best decision. Because after that, we watched incredible miracles happen and really true to Seth Godin's thought process on the journey of an artist and the journey of art, you put your best into the world and let life play itself out. We gave with no intention of reciprocity. And then the world opened up and we had so, we got funding in place, we got incredible collaborations, the line took off, Nordstrom anchored us. It was just amazing for us to watch how that came into play. You know, we would just wish for something and a couple of days later, the best possible solution to that wish would happen. So it, it does work. It's in giving that you do receive. Wow. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. Uh, Susan, you are absolutely incredible. Like I said, I, I'm a huge fan of Art and Eden, and now I'm even a more more of a huge fan just because of knowing the work that you are doing and, and knowing somebody like you is behind it. So thank you for sharing all of that. You're so welcome. Well, now is the portion of the show where we transition a little bit to just ask some fun get-to-know-you questions. And sure. this is also my listener's favorite portion because it's the time when my husband, who is my executive producer, inserts a sound effect of his choosing. In Alexander Dumas' book, The Three Musketeers, two of the musketeers are called Athos and Porthos. What was the name of the third musketeer? I'd like to phone a friend. Here we go. The first question <laughs> is, what makes you laugh the most? Like, just side-splitting laughter. My kids. Your kids? <laughs> yes. My, my kids, when they comment on my Indian accent. <laughs> <laughs> my kids are born Canadian-American, and they are in splits over my laugh, my accent, and they keep correcting me, and I just can't get it right. And uh, that's, that's a lot of fun in the house. That's hilarious. I love that. I love that. 
Uh, well, since you have traveled the world and been all over, uh, I thought this would be a fun question for you. What is the most unusual thing that you have ever eaten? Unusual thing that I've ever eaten. Now, I'm a very safe eater. My <laughs> husband likes to try a lot of different things. And when we were in the Philippines, he made me have frog's legs, which oh. uh, I would not have today, but I did then. I was in love and I did it for love. <laughs> <laughs> I am the same way. I'm a pretty safe eater. Like when I travel, I'm just like, no, I'll, I'll pass on that. Thanks, though. <laughs> um, all right. My next question is, if you were the ruler of your own country, what would be the first law you would introduce? No poverty, no hunger. Mm. I love that. I In love a world that. of plenty, that should not exist. In yes. a world where we are wasting so much food. It is just not right that we have millions of kids without food. So we have to fix that. Uh, yes, yes. Amen to that. And then my last question, which is my favorite question to ask, what are you most grateful for today? My husband mm. and my kids and, and my work, my family, basically, my family at home and my family at work. I adore every one of them. So I feel so grateful to have such incredible people in my life. All my families, actually, my spiritual family, my home family, my work family. I'm, I feel very, very blessed by the power of the people that I have in my life. So I am most grateful for all the different sectors of people in my life. I think that's wonderful. Well, thank you so, so much for your time today and for uh, sharing your story. And um, for the listeners, I will have Susan's information along with how you can shop Art and Eden for the kids in your life um, and sh shop this amazing brand. Um, I will have all that information in the show notes. So Susan, thank you so much for your time today. You're very welcome. It was such a pleasure speaking with you, Molly. From a 250-square-foot home in Mumbai, India, to running an incredible ethical children's clothing line sold online and in stores across America, I'm blown away. Susan is such an inspiration to me, and I just hope you loved our conversation as much as I did. Another huge thank you to our podcast sponsor, Causebox. Visit stillbeingmolly.com slash causebox and use that coupon code MOLLY for $15 off. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you're a first-time listener of the show, welcome. Be sure to visit the archives for past shows featuring incredible entrepreneurs and business owners who are literally changing the world with their businesses. And if you're a regular listener of the show, thank you so much for tuning in week in and week out, and thank you for your support. Be sure to head on over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, or whichever app you listen to podcasts, and make sure you're subscribed to the show clicking that subscribe button helps to make sure that you never miss a new episode of the podcast. And while you're there, would you mind taking a moment to leave a review of the show? Leaving a review of the show helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. And if you share the show on social media, don't forget to use the hashtag business with purpose podcast or tag me at still being Molly on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. This show is edited by my amazing husband and executive producer, John Stillman, and the music is by Mark Killian of Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening and go do something good with purpose on purpose.